Man, Lord, I ask that you would make the words of that last song real in our hearts. You are better. Um, And help us to lean into that, not just tonight, but as we leave here and navigate the complexities of, of life in a broken world, Lord. Man, bless bless the reading of your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. How you guys? Yeah! <laughs> it's like low-key, like I don't know how I'm doing. It's been a month of school, and I'm, yeah, right? Like, hey, uh, I'm Brandon. I'm the college director. Uh, if I haven't met you, I would love to, uh, after service, get to know you, hear a little bit of your story. Um, if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to second Corinthians chapter four. We're going to get, we're going to get there. Uh, but Hey, if you're new here or maybe it's your first or second time, or you haven't been back in a little while, but, um, let me just tell you kind of where you find yourself. We are in the middle of the series that we've entitled asking for a friend. Um, and one of the th- reasons we entitled that is sometimes there are questions uh, that either we're too uh, shy to ask, too afraid to ask, or feel like we should know the answer to. And so we usually just say, uh, uh, yeah, I know somebody who uh, had this happen, right? And, and we said, let's just, let's just enter into this space. Like, let's just talk through some really hard questions. And so we've looked at what is the gospel and we've, and we've looked at last week, even heaven and hell. And, and, and this week is much like building off of what, of what Justin did last week. And that's, that's tackling this idea of evil and suffering. And so a lot of it's going to be, man, not necessarily uh, the philosophical argument, but, but, but how do we deal in a broken world? And so if you didn't listen to Justin's sermon last week on heaven and hell, the good thing is you can because Redeemer College now has a podcast. Yeah. So I don't know, this probably like divided in here. It's like, you know, the light and the dark side, but you know, we've got Spotify people. And if you're, if you're bold enough, Apple music people. Yeah, all right, that's cool, man. Uh, Some of you guys voted twice, that's okay. Hey, you can go check us out. Just type in Redeemer College. We've got our podcast. We've got Healthy and Active Disciple podcast. So it's just a cool place. You can go and subscribe to that, send it to your friends. Uh, It'd be a good way for you to catch up on the series if you weren't able to be here. And so um, the, the aim tonight, like I said, the aim tonight is not to tackle the philosophical argument of good and evil or evil and suffering. Um, If you really are somebody who would like to dive deep into that, like we're gonna be putting up some resources tomorrow that's gonna tackle some uh, of those issues that are, let's just be frank, they're gonna take me a lot longer to flesh out than the 29 and a half minutes I have tonight. And so just look for that in social media, uh, th- that will be coming to you. But, but tonight, here's, here's the aim. Like, here's what I want us to look at. Evil and suffering are a reality in our broken world, right? And you're like, yeah, they, they, they really are. We're, we're gonna suffer in this world. If, if you haven't already, like, like it's, it's coming for us, right? Um, because as Justin said last week, like, like sin infected everything in our world. Like, like when Adam and Eve fell and when sin entered this world, nothing in the realm of creation escaped its destroying touch. Why? How do I know that? Because everything that living is eventually going to die, right? 
Like I know, I know some of you guys are young. You're like, I'm living forever, man. I mean, I don't care how much kale salad you eat and how much camp gladiator that you do. Like it's eventually like coming, right? That's like the sober reality. It's like, like I'm 40, man. And I'm looking at the past 40 years going, that just flew by. I'm too young and, but I'm really not. And, and like the, the sober reality is like, it's coming, right? Like, like this, this evil and suffering, like it's coming and, and the, the effects of sin on our world are that things die and, and suffering is, is like not just a part of the world, but, but here's the thing. If you're a follower of Jesus, like, like it's part of being a follower of Christ. Like it's a real part of it. The scriptures will, will tell us often that we shouldn't be surprised when we suffer. I mean, we look at just a couple of guys in the scriptures, like I could go on and on, but my team said I couldn't talk for an hour tonight. So, um, but, but you look at a guy like John who, who wrote the, you know, wrote the gospel of John, was a disciple whom Jesus loved. Like this was a dude that was close to Jesus, like very influential in the founding of the church. He, he ends his life like exiled on an island. And for some of you like that, introverts are like, that's, that's paradise, man. Well, yeah, yeah sure. History tells us like it happened after they tried to boil him alive, right? Like, okay, like suffering is coming. Even Peter, like Peter, who's the loud mouth disciple, clothed to Jesus, like, like he ends up getting crucified upside down because he didn't see himself worthy enough to be crucified in the same way that his Lord was. And if those two guys aren't enough, like we're gonna look at Paul tonight, but, but what about Jesus, right? Like Jesus is the dude that we're following. Like Jesus is the guy we're going after. And we're gonna look at his life and the experiences and, and it was marked with suffering. And so we shouldn't be surprised when these things and, and the reality is like God is not the author of evil, but, but that God uses this for his glory and to magnify the son and listen to this and the reflection of the son in those whom are following him, Right? Because I think one of the questions like we're gonna ask in here, if you haven't asked it yet, you will, is if God is good, why is there so much suffering? If God is good, why is there so much suffering in the world? Like it doesn't take a rocket scientist to turn on the television and go, I don't think this is the way it was meant to be, right? Like, I mean, we can just look or on our, our wherever it may, wherever we may find ourselves like suffering is before us. And, and whether you identify as a Christian or you're in here, you're like, I'm really unsure about this thing. And actually, Brandon, that little suffering stuff, like that's why I'm angry at God. Like, fantastic. I think either of those places, wherever you may fall, like we've got to answer that question honestly and very carefully. And we've got to face it head on. Because I think the skeptic, so too, so often what our tendency is, is to look at these really hard questions and we find our answers from like a 30 second YouTube clip or we read some dude who's writing a blog from his mom's basement or we find some author who gives us partial truth or we go to our Twitter newsfeed and we're just like, hey, I just got seven seconds. Like, give me the, give me the hits, right? And what, what needs to happen is that because, because, evil and suffering are reality. And because evil and suffering don't go logically, right? Like they're not logical. Like it's gonna take us tackling these things with care. Like diving into spaces that we don't want to because, because evil and suffering is so subjective that we need to be rooted in truth. 
Like we need to flesh this thing all the way out. And, I, and listen, I have told you from the moment, if you've been here for any length of time, the moment that I get to step in this pulpit and as an elder of Redeemer and, and as, as your pastor, like, like we will always tether ourselves back to the word. We're always gonna bring ourselves there to seek answers for our journey of truth. And so I think that if, if all of us were to look, we're gonna go at some point in our lives, like there was suffering. It, it was August of 2014. Um, I had been in ministry for about seven and a half years as a lead pastor. I was burned out. You've heard my story. Went to Colorado, lived in my brother-in-law's basement apartment. It's fantastic. Boost my pride, right? Um, and August 1st, my wife and I, who... Um, we have two kids are sitting on the floor of that basement apartment, weeping our eyes because I've sent out a, about 150 job applications. Most of them have been rejections. We get a bill from the IRS that says you owe us money that we didn't have in our, our, our checking account. And I'm sitting there in all honesty and in like a David, like a David in the Psalms moment going, God, where are you? Like I, I left the ministry before anything happened. Like I was trying to be faithful and this is what you give me? A family in a basement apartment broke, no jobs and no hope. Like this is, like this got me questioning who got, like this led me to a place, a real question that, that if I'm to be honest, you're gonna hear, you get to the end of it in a little bit. But if I'm to be honest, like sometimes I'm still sitting in those questions. Like it didn't get wrapped up in a nice little bow. But I think it tethered me back to the scripture. And that's where we're gonna find ourselves tonight is we're gonna look at Paul. If you don't know who Paul is, Paul's like, the Mount Rushmore of Christianity, right? Like Jesus is not on the Mount Rushmore because he's the sun shining down and okay, right? But Paul is like varsity level dude, man. Like, like we look at Paul, we're like, that, that's a guy who wrote like two thirds of the New Testament. He planted a bunch of churches, but Paul's life was a series of suffering. And, and he's, we're gonna look at chapter four because Paul is gonna be proclaiming the glory of the gospel, okay? So, so the gospel has come in Jesus, right? This, this idea of his life, death, and resurrection. Like Paul is going to be proclaiming the glory of that new covenant, how it's different from this law that was in the Old Testament that was based on performance. He's just, he's just captivating that in chapters three and four. We pick up in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he's gonna begin to take this shift to explain suffering. So let's look here at verse seven of chapter four. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us, that we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our body. For we who are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifest in our mortal bodies. So death is at work in us, but life in you. And so Paul starts this thing out and look, look at verse seven. He's gonna say, we have this treasure. And what he means by that is this knowledge of God's goodness and his greatness on display in Jesus. 
So this is the treasure. This is what we hold. So if you're a believer in here, this is the treasure that you have, that God's glory and his goodness. But, but what does it mean by a good God? Like, what does he mean by this good God? And here's what Paul would say, that, God, that he is the source of all goodness, that he is the source of all goodness, that when we look at God, we know that good flows from him. And so, so but where does that standard come from? Like, like, where is that from? Well, I think there's been two historical kind of arguments for God's goodness, right? Where is this standard of goodness? How do we know that God is good? Well, the first is that, that the question was always raised, is there a law independent and over God that judges him by a goodness higher than himself? So basically, is God under some cosmic law higher than him that he's required to obey to be good, okay? So that's what, kind of what we, we look at, right? There's a standard in our world for good and evil, right? Like you guys, and most of the time, it's probably subjective if you were to ask a bunch of your friends on campus, what is good and evil? Well, does evil even exist? So that's the first one. Is God under a cosmic law? The second is he apart from law and outside of it? Like, is he this maverick being that's just kind of outside of the law? But, but here's the thing, both of those have been rejected historically and biblically about the source of God's goodness. The answer to, what, to who is a good God is based on the character of God, his character that was before time and will be long after this time on earth is over. It's the standard by which he is held to. So here's the thing. We talk about good God. Stay with me for a minute. God allows acts in a broken world according to his character, which is altogether good and great. We would call that holy in the Christianese term. So so when you look at a world that is marked with pain and suffering and an all-powerful God that would allow that pain and suffering, it cannot be because he is not good, because it would be against his character. And I always tell you, we're gonna go back to here. If you wanna see the character of a good God, read the Bible. But here's the thing. If there's pain and suffering, something must, something is happening in the believer that through human frailty, God is working through suffering to make his glory shine brighter. Look at what he says there in verse seven again. We have this treasure, okay? Knowledge of a good God. In jars of clay, that's our body, human frailty, right? The older you get, the more frail you're gonna learn that you are, right? Like I can stand up and pull a hamstring. Like you are frail, okay? Like we have this, why? Why is this treasure within these frail human? To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That the common misconception in the world today is that God should give blessings only to uh, to cosmic traitors. That if this is true, that if God should only give blessings, right? Like just think about the, the places that you've had to enter into where people are suffering and, and like where they have real questions or some of them are taking on other people's suffering. Like think about this. The misconception is that God only should give blessings. It should only be good. But, but if this is true, God cannot be thought of as good because to inevitably feel pain is actually his goodness. Let me give you an analogy. There is a, um, 
a medical diagnosis called CIPA, C-I-P-A, right? I'm not gonna try to explain what it is because I can't pronounce the words, okay? But here's what, here's what basically that says or what that diagnosis is. You cannot feel pain. So there are people that are born that cannot feel pain. They can't feel body temperature, right? They can't regulate that. They don't know when it's cold outside. They don't know when it's hot outside. They don't know if they've cut themselves. Like, can you imagine living that way, right? Where you can't feel pain. Like how scary that would be. Just bleeding out with a cut on your leg, not even knowing it, right? In fact, 20% of people that are born with this diagnosis die before the age of three. The average lifespan is 25 years. Like this is not good. So, so it's like you can stick your hand on the stove and never feel it burning, right? Like that's scary to feel that. It's scary to feel that. So in this, Paul's life, like here's the thing, Paul's gonna embrace suffering. Look at verses eight through 10, because he can say it's actually God's goodness that I am facing these things. Look at verse eight. He said, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed that we are perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. Paul's life, if you're to read the New Testament, is a series of suffering. Like there's a day he had where he had a shipwreck, right? He almost drowned. He was washed up on some shore with some natives, got bit by a poisonous snake. Like that's a bad day, man. Like me getting a, you know, a D plus on my test. That's not too bad. But this was like Paul's, this is over and over again. But Paul says the key experiences that he's gonna determine suffering from in his life the way he understands those experiences is through the experiences of Christ. So he looks back to Jesus's road. And if we were to look at a, at a verse like, like Isaiah 53, mark this down in your notes. Now, Isaiah 53 says this about Jesus, that surely he has bore our grief and carried our sorrows. That we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Like Jesus's road was not one where he came down and wrecked shop. Like read the gospels. He said, foxes have holes, birds, have, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Like Jesus in his darkest hour, his, all his friends abandoned him. He was put on the cross to bear imaginable pain and suffering, not just from a physical point, but from a spiritual point, that he bore the sins of the world, that he experienced separation from the Father, that Jesus' road was not like this skipping down, but rather he was sorrowful in places that, that Paul sees then because of that, Paul sees his suffering as an imitation of Christ's. Why? That the life of Christ, that in Paul's weakness and in his suffering, the hope is that the suffering is not the end, but the power rests and serves as our motivation in following him. It's actually creating deeper roots, right? Like look at what he says in eight. We're afflicted in every way. He doesn't, 
He doesn't discount affliction. You're going to hear some preachers and say, hey, if you have enough faith, like you're not going to have affliction. Look at Paul. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, right? We're perplexed. You got questions about this stuff? You got questions about why you suffer? You got questions about that? Like, Like Paul's not saying don't have questions. He's saying, but those questions don't lead, are not driven to despair. That we're persecuted, that we're gonna feel abandonment, we're gonna feel pain. And there may be moments in your life where you're gonna feel like the outcast, but you're not forsaken, right? That that there will be moments where we are struck down and we may be on our hands and our knees, but it's not, that's not the end because it says we're not destroyed. Like there's a hope in this. Like, like think about the alternatives to the problem of evil and suffering. Like the world would tell us, Western secular society that we live in would say that suffering is just arbitrary. That there's no real purpose in it. There's no rhyme or reason in it. It just happens and you just got to grin and bear it. It says, this is it. Like this experience that you get is all there is. That this is as good as life is going to get, especially in your college years, right? Like, man, I better live it up because it's all downhill from here, man. Like this is as good as it gets. And listen, this isn't a lot of help when suffering comes, right? Like the aim is to escape it because, man, all I got is this life. And so we escape it into more suffering and pain, don't we? Like it doesn't have, like, like the world doesn't offer the solution. Like say, hey, there's not an existence of God because evil exists and a good God wouldn't allow that. So there is no God, right? Even that argument in atheist philosophical circles, philosophy circles is no longer even valid. Like they've said, well, that's not a great argument anymore. It's just, yeah, suffering's kind of random. Deal with it. Or maybe sometimes like, like Christianity hasn't really helped this either, has it? Like Christianity is sometimes in, in churches said, like as a kid, I was told so often that if I had enough faith, I wouldn't suffer. And if I was suffering, it was because God was mad at me or I had done some sin that had offended him and he was reacting to me like my, my eight-year-old reacts to my 10-year-old when he's frustrated with him, right? Just pouts. God's like, well, you're going to sin. Here you go. Affliction. Like that didn't help. But like, so I don't think the world is, and sometimes the church hasn't been biblical about it, but, but what Paul is telling us here is that suffering serves a greater purpose. That it's not the result of inadequate faith. That it's not random and arbitrary. But for the believer, it's accomplishing something in us. Even through the deepest, darkest night of the soul, when pain is real, God has not forsaken. Look at this in verse 16. He says, because of this great God, because of these things that he's doing, look at what he says, we do not lose hearts. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. 
For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Like though, he says, though, hey, though we bear the consequences of sin and our bodies are are decaying, and though, man, we don't lose heart. Because why? Because the inner self for the believer is being renewed day by day, is being renewed, the whole person by the gift of the Holy Spirit is renewed by the resurrection of Jesus, that Christ's suffering was not the end, like the cross wasn't the end. So often we leave him hanging on the cross, but the resurrection is power and it is applied to the believer. That though there are these momentary afflictions, like where sin exists, evil and suffering will remain. It is a consequence of the fall. But for the one whose faith has been placed in Jesus, that suffering cannot compare to when Christ returns. When he renews all of this fully. Like, look here. For this momentary affliction, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That there is something happening in our suffering that is taking our eyes off of the temporary and placing it onto the eternal. That there are some of you in here that have been, been through it, right? And God's saying, hey, hey, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. That God is good and he is for our good. The devil does not have the ultimate power to frustrate the plans of God for our lives. And Psalm 23 would say this, though even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. It says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever that the path of our savior was suffering. The road of grief that he took was hard. And it is through that suffering that our redemption is accomplished. And listen, you will experience suffering. And we shouldn't think that strange because the Bible is gonna say that we will suffer. But it also says he triumphs over it. That he triumphs over our suffering. That in his goodness and in his plan, that I may have questions and I may not understand, he triumphs over it because he is good. In the 1900s, there was this uprising in China called the Boxer Rebellion. And during the Boxer Rebellion, Chinese nationalists um, killed around 32,000 Chinese believers. And they killed another think 239 Christian missionaries. And one of those that, that died was named Chong Sin. And though blind, Chong had been one of the most effective itinerant evangelists in all of China. And his success because of that made him the brunt of severe persecution. At the height of the Boxer Rebellion, he was singled out by the nationalists for for retribution and he escaped, like fearing that they were gonna take his life, he he escaped and hid in a cave. But when word reached him that there were 
50 Christians that would be killed if he did not give himself up. He willingly came out of hiding, knowing full well the consequences. And even in his death, however, he made a vibrant testimony, one that made his executioners, (laughs) they insisted his body be cremated, fearing he would come back to life like Jesus. Like his life is a tribute to the glory of God in the midst of suffering. In that same rebellion, there was a letter that was written by some missionaries facing facing immediate death. And it said this, if we should not come out with our lives, then please send our last message to all mission friends. We live and die for the Lord in China. The way to the coast is not open. We have not heard anything from our friends in nearly two months, but the way to the Lord is open. Thanks be to him. Let not your hands fail and do not lose your courage. What we sow shall bear fruit in its time. When the storm is over, send other witnesses to China to proclaim the great act of the Lord. I do not regret that I came to China. I know the Lord called me here and his grace is enough for me. The way he leadeth is best. His will be done. We shall meet him at his right hand. And here's the thing, guys. By the year 2030, China will be the most Christian country in the world. It will have the most Christians. Like, I don't tell you these stories. Listen, I want to make sure, because sometimes these stories get hyped up a little bit. I don't tell you these stories to discourage your suffering, to go, man, those guys really suffered. Mine's, and it's not to make you inadequate. But, but rather to, to encourage you that regular men and women captured by a great and good God looked suffering straight on, ran to it for the glory of Jesus and we are celebrating God's work in their lives 120 years later. But though we don't understand it, But though we don't see it sometimes, God is moving and working. That August 9th, that August night that I was questioning God, I'm gonna be honest, like cussing at him a little bit. We can be truthful here. Like that night, we sent an email out to a former teacher that I had had about a job for my wife. I had gone to Colorado, never intending to come back to Lubbock. God had other plans for that. And he brought me back submissive to him. It didn't didn't end there. It's not like this little bow that wrapped up. We went through a desert season where I really didn't, I really was struggling to press into Jesus, man. But slow and steady in the face of suffering, in the face, for ours it was, man, relational and financial, like, God's will was done, and and I'm here today, joyful to be back in ministry. I never think I'd be here again. It's okay if the story doesn't end with a bow, because it's a journey. Because almost eight years later, I can be, like Paul says in verse seven, perplexed, but not despair. That I can have questions, but not be led to despair. So here's how I want to leave it tonight. Because I don't know where you are in this thing, man. 
I I don't know. For some of you, man, life has just kind of been rocking and rolling. For some of you, if you've experienced real pain, like I want to just walk you through just three ways to maybe look at this, to apply this to your life. Like the first way is that we accept that evil and suffering, like that exists. Like evil and suffering exist. And, And listen, like let me pass to you for a moment. Like just... Just hear my heart here. Like, like there are some of you in here that have faced suffering that, that wasn't your fault. That you didn't, you didn't bring it upon yourself and you didn't, you didn't ask for it. And you, you have a million questions and there may be resentment and hurt and grief and all sorts of things. Listen, listen let me say this to you. You should be like, where is God in the midst of that? Listen, God hates evil hates it. He wasn't absent. And and while that suffering is real and it is painful, Jesus can and will redeem it. It's gonna take friends. It's gonna take acknowledging and going hard after Jesus. It's gonna take counseling. But Jesus has not abandoned you. While pain is there and questions are there, Jesus says, suffering does not define you. He does. And for those of you that are in here that have just brought that suffering upon yourself sometimes, like I have, (laughs) and you think God's mad at you or he's punishing you for that, listen, the same is true for you. Suffering does not define you that his grace and mercy is there to wrap you up, run hard to him. The second is that while while evil and pain are real, like secondly, Jesus is how we make sense of this. And we can't run away from it because Hebrews would tell us this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you wanna know what it is, go read Hebrews 11. Let us also lay aside weight and sin, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you might not grow weary and faint-hearted. Look to Jesus. The world has no answers but, but to just get through it and be a better version of yourself. And the Christianity offers a savior that not only knows it, endured unimaginable suffering so that he could redeem you. You, individual, Jesus makes sense of this. And lastly, suffering does not get the final word. Doesn't get the final word. Romans 8.28 says, and we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. 
that the gospel is love, that we have a great high priest that suffers and invites us into a journey where suffering does not terminate on us, but is used for eternal weight of glory. What Satan intended for evil, God means for good. And he will use your story for his goodness and his glory. We cling to that hope even when we can't feel it because it's true. This momentary affliction does not compare. Like this is the story that we're wrapped up in. You wanna be part of something bigger than yourself. This is the story. One where suffering is real, but one day that suffering and evil will ultimately bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we are a part of that guys. For his glory and our ultimate good. And let's pray. Father, in here today, man, we know that there is all over, all over the place. Suffering and working out of that. God, but what we know to be true above those experiences is your goodness. Even though sometimes we can't make sense of that, we can't feel it, we don't understand it. It's in those moments that we cling to the truth that we find in your word. And so God, I pray that wherever my friends are out here today, my brothers and sisters, Lord, that wherever they are on this journey, that Lord, they would, they would seek, they would seek the gospel for themselves, that they would seek deep community, they wouldn't look to bear those burdens by themselves, but to the God, they would be wrapped up with people that would walk with them through that. God, that as a people, sometimes that escape suffering, Lord, you, you invite us in something we don't understand. And so, Lord, will you come tonight and give words to, to us, weak humanly frail people who have a treasure that we just want to make known. God, guide us for your glory that we may shine forth the reflection of the sun in our lives. And God, for those in here that are, are mad at you, that are angry, that have experienced tremendous hurt, God, we come now and comfort them. I come now and help them enter the journey that suffering doesn't just terminate, but ultimately has sovereign purpose in it. Oh God, do what only you can do tonight. In Jesus' name. One of the things that we have as an axiom of our of, of Redeemer College is prayer as a ministry, and we never wanna we never wanna run past prayer. Because it's in those moments that we really cling to Jesus. And so, so Adam's gonna play, the band's gonna play for a little bit, just briefly to give you a chance to kind of, man, seek the Lord where you're at. And then, man, there will be people in the back that would love to pray with you, that would love to come alongside you, 
And then you'll be invited to enter into worship to proclaim the truths of who he is. And so let's not run past this moment. There's gonna be plenty of that. There's gonna be plenty of time. But let's not run past what God may be stirring in our hearts tonight. And so just however that looks for you, if that's going to the back, if that's sitting in your seat quietly, that's grabbing a friend next to you. Like, let's just spend some moment in prayer, man, pleading before a good God who's not disappointed with us, but loves us.